Let's talk about the future of news. I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The state of journalism today. Telling both sides of a, of a controversial story. I think you must be unbiased. It's uh, honesty, fairness, uh, truth. That is our job. That is our job. That is our job. There we go. Welcome once again to the Our Man in Stockholm podcast. It's been a minute. Okay, I'll grant you that. The summer break went on far too long into the autumn because I've been up to my arse doing other bits and pieces. But now we are back and we are back with a brilliant guest this week. Somebody that uh, I've had a good bit of contact with over the summer because we were both involved in covering a women's soccer tournament. It is none other than uh, one of the hosts of Their Pitch. Now, Their Pitch is uh, a women's football podcast which has taken my world by storm and uh, they get brilliant guests every week but it's not just the fact that they get brilliant guests is that my guest today Mia Erickson really gets into the details gets into the weeds of analyzing teams and players and how they play and, why, and what they do and why Mia you're very welcome to the podcast could I kind of start by asking you how you sort of fell into the world of podcasting and writing about women's football and football in general that that's a long story, but uh, yeah. all the time in the world, girl. Uh, it's it's a long and uh, see, I'm I'm a communication strategist, and um, that's what I do actually for a living. And I I, I actually got into the women's game when I moved to Linköping, um, and I started to help Linköping FC, the football mm. club, with with the communication in social media. Mm. So then I started to to photograph and i got you know hitched on on photographing mm. and the one thing led to another and then i started to photograph uh, for a big ag- agency <laughs> and then i started to write for some uh, media outlets in the uk and then i started to get irritated on the cover uh, in women's football and media because I it lacked depth mm. like I know media you know the role of, of media and what they're supposed to do but I, I'm not like that I, I don't like you know the, the clickbait and the headlines yeah. and, and I also I wanted a um, platform for women's footballers where they could actually be footballers you know, like, come on, be a footballer. You don't have yeah. to. You don't have to answer questions about inequality and stuff like that if you don't want to talk about it, because that's fine too. But but I often feel that women's footballers they are expected to answer questions about mm. stuff like that uh, every time they are with their national teams or whatever. Mm. Um, so so that's why. And then I I met Amanda online and. One thing led to another, and here we are. Amanda, of course, is the magical Amanda Zaza. Correct me if I'm wrong now, Mia. You can edit me in real time here. But I think she worked for the public service broadcaster, SVT, first. And now she has moved over to Fupos Kanalen, which is owned by TV4 in Sweden. It's the, basically the biggest independent uh, free-to-air channel, and then they have some paid channels, etc. So it's so it's a pretty good gig that she has. She's pretty visible. Um. What was it that annoyed you? Because like the thing about when I started writing about women's football, maybe 10, 15 years ago, it took me ages to get to the point where I just wrote about the sport, right? It took me years of writing about the equality thing. And that was literally 
all that people wanted to hear. How easy did you find it to go, hang on a second, this is just sport. We don't have to make this a political battleground all the time. Let's talk about formations and tactics and your weaker left foot or whatever. Was it an easy thing for you to do and to get people to read or did you find it difficult? Um, no, because I haven't, I have never cared if people read my stuff or not. So I do think I'm like, if, if, because if you care, you know how, how the media world works. Mm. You have to, to have certain headlines to make people click and, and stuff like that. So, but I've never been dependent on those kind of stuff. So I just, I just went into this, uh, by telling myself that I want, I want to do something. Let's do it. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, then okay, fine. At least I've tried. Yeah. Um, so I don't think, I don't think like that, yeah. uh, because I I always this is gonna sound quite you know cocky, but I always do what I what what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, but but I must say that I also, because I wrote for some UK outlets and sites, I do felt that. Here's another perspective on this, actually, when I think about it. I, I was annoyed at Swedish media uh, quite much. Mm. Yeah, because I do feel that, you know, if you read stuff in the UK, there are a lot of analysts uh, sites and, and uh, platforms, because that's where I could publish my, my mm. articles and stuff. But in Sweden, you we don't have, we don't have that in media. What we also don't have in Sweden is we have no media outlet completely you know like completely for women's football. Yeah, yeah devoted for women's football but that so I think we are behind hmm. we're still in in the you know like the commercial side of showing women's football off which is fine I'm not telling I'm not saying that that is wrong but I so their pitch for me is that devoted thing just for women's football mm. and I do think it doesn't matter if we do it for a Swedish media outlet or if we do it for I mean like a French media outlet because we wanted to do it in English so as many people as possible can can understand what we are talking about mm. And of course, the people who are behind their pitch, the people who pay the bills, if you like, it is Football's Canalen, which is owned by TV4, right? Now, this, like I said, it's in English, which I think is brilliant. Uh, like I speak Swedish, obviously, but like it, you've such uh, like a, a so much bigger potential audience there. Was that your thinking behind us? Like, hang on a second, we can do this in Swedish and 20 people can listen to it, or we can do it in English and maybe 2 million people will listen to it. Was that the thinking in the beginning? Yeah, but there's also two perspectives in that because what I do think is that Fotbollskanalen, that's a site, uh, you know, like created for a men's game at, yeah. from the beginning. And Swedish men's football, like Allsvenskan here in Sweden and yeah. the Swedish uh, men's national team, it's quite big. So mm. it's a big audience uh, for that. Uh, it's also, I know, like we know when, when the Euros or the World Cup back in 2019, we mm. get a big audience on Football's Canal and TV4 as well. For the women's so, game, you mean? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we can do that in Swedish. That's fine because that that's, but that's one thing. So, of course, we have the audience for, for women's football 
in Sweden if we had done it in Swedish. But mm -hmm. I don't think we would have reached out so far speaking Swedish about the things I want to talk about. Yeah. If you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, um, it, it makes a lot of sense because, and I do think that I've seen the podcast, you know, I recommend every episode of it. Uh, but I've seen it sort of pop up with people, you know, in America, in Australia, in I've seen uh, an African football agent once sent me a WhatsApp message going, oh, have you heard of this? I think these girls are in Sweden. Go, yeah, yeah, no, I know about it, you know. Um, it, was that a difficult thing to convince footballs can all about? Because their advertisers are obviously, you know, Swedish, the Swedish agencies coming to them and Swedish brands and products and this kind of thing. So did you have to convince them to go, hang on, English is the way to go here, kids? Uh, I do think that that wasn't an issue from the beginning because they knew about the podcast being in English when we started to plan it and everything. It was quite clear that yeah. if we were going to do it, it's gonna it was going to be in English. And for Fußballskanal and like like they told us, they they told us that okay, this is this is exciting. We want to try something new, and we need to jump on the women's football train before it leaves the yeah. station. Um, so. And I mean, this is the thing. Uh, I feel if if you can speak with the whole world, potentially, and uh, not everyone speaks English, but you have you have potentially uh, you have the potential to reach out to the whole world. I do think that that's the case. And if if I ask our podcast editor to give me a list uh, from where our listeners listen to the podcast, it's actually from the whole world. It can be one in uh, Trinidad Tobago, mm. you know. If I if I ask, but it's one, and and we we can grow this, and and it can. But I mean, obviously, for football's Canalans regular audience, this is not natural. Or like, I'm not even sure if they see their pitch as TV four and football's Canalan. Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's like kind of divided. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's a bit divided, but I do think that I'm very grateful for the fact that Football Scanola wanted to do this because they've given us a great platform. Yeah. And th this is the thing. I, I I actually spoke to someone about this last night. I think yeah, I got a WhatsApp from one one of my colleagues uh, on from one media platform that I've been um, writing for in the UK, and he asked me because he's Scottish. Yeah, those Scottish. poor people. They only barely speak English. Those poor people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Glad it was in written, you know. <laughs> but but is that your voice though? Do you go, what the fuck? Are yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> no offense, Willie Kirk, because Willie Kirk was easy to understand when he was Willie, on. Willie's but, a great bloke, yeah. But the fact is that he he asked me he asked me this. I, I can imagine how you do to get these these big name players to say yes. Mm -hmm. He, he he wanted he was genuinely asking me with curiosity how I did it because we are in a in a way with women's football that the players is getting further and further away you know yeah. if I mean what I mean you can't just message them on Instagram and, and ask been, them for an interview like yeah it's no. becoming more and more closed all right and we'll get to that subject what was your answer to Willie when he asked you that uh, no, this was this. Oh, sorry, it was, it was another no, Scottish it, person. Okay. No, it was just a Scottish. Yeah, because what I was, I wrote to him that I do think I'm a little bit helped by the fact that I write from an email address with at tv4.se. Mm. Yeah. So, 
But to to an international player, you mentioned uh, some of the names to me before, uh, like a little earlier today, but players that you've interviewed for upcoming episodes. I don't know if you want to say who those people are. You don't have to if you don't want to. But um, obviously they're English speakers. Would they know that it's, you know, the TV4 in Sweden has traditionally been this, the station that broadcasts women's games, that Fupas Kanalen has made, you know, huge efforts around the women's game, certainly at major tournaments, and has covered the Dom Alsvenskan for maybe, well, certainly the, the time that I've been living here. I don't think the players are aware of that, no. Uh, I'm glad, actually, because those names you were men- mentioning, like, but but not by name, um, that's... A player like Liana Oberdorf, she's mm. been like um, she's been getting out of Germany with her reach and and yeah, you know yeah. her name the, after this Euros and mm. perhaps a little bit in in this year as a whole with the Champions League and stuff. But that's actually because when when Wolfsburg's uh, media manager he emailed me and said, "I can't believe it. It's almost a year ago that we decided to do the podcast with you." Um, uh, because Lena said yes uh, immediately, but we couldn't find time before the Euros, and then we had to wait a little bit again. But then uh, last week he told me, "Okay, can you do it uh, September twenty nine, um, a quarter right. past five? Uh, and we were like, "Yeah, let's do it." Um, so it's it's hard work behind. You have to. I've started to to pick up on how it works. Now, yeah, how, how different think. clubs and different national teams yeah. work at that, yeah. Let, let's let's tell people how the sausage is made, Mia, right? Because Wolfsburg in particular, I a few years ago, I was doing a story and they contacted me and we set up the interview with the player and they cancelled the interview like, you know, 15 minutes beforehand, right? And my perspective is, and I hope I don't come across as arrogant here, right? But I, at that stage when they were doing this a few years ago, I was of the opinion that, look, women's football needs the mainstream outlets that I write for more than the mainstream outlets. They don't even want these stories a lot of the time until you beat them across the head with it. And I just had a discussion with the club at the time, said, look, you've got to take this seriously, right? I know that you have a men's team in the Bundesliga and I know you can fuck around with ZDF or whoever down there, but you can't do that with these. If this has been put into a media planner and it's gone out to people around the world and then we don't deliver you're gone, like you're you're over. And they fixed it really, really quickly. In fairness to the club, they fixed it really quickly when that happened. But do you find it very difficult with, you know, just clubs that I've contacted, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United, Barcelona, I found really good before the Champions League final was played in Gothenburg a year and a half ago. You know, it does vary, doesn't it? But do you find it difficult to work with some of those clubs? I don't find it hard uh, but like I said, I know uh, in beforehand uh, either what answer I'm going to get mm. or which way I'm going to take uh, yeah. to get what I want. So, so you <laughs> plot your path to victory long before. Yes. yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like this. Um, the national teams uh, for women, they work completely different from each yeah. other. Uh, the clubs work differently. I can I can tell you this. I was prepared for the the media manager in Wolfsburg to tell us before we started to record yesterday that okay we only have forty five minutes and that's it. Mm-hmm. Even though in my media request I, I've asked for okay it takes one hour and we do this and this and this. Yeah. But nothing like that. And cool. yeah, because Wolfsburg they have a game today. They mm-hmm. very rarely give interviews like the day before. Uh, games 
because that's natural because the players have to have to prepare and stuff but lena oberdorf she had she had told him that yeah i want to do this it's fine it's completely Mm -hmm. fine and we i'm sure we could have spoken to her like one hour and 10 minutes it wouldn't have been a problem and the thing is we also talked about like important topics with her yeah she actually told us I can tell you this as well now because this episode is going to be out uh, on Tuesday that she spoke about the fact that the women's team's bus for away games, when it rained, it rained through the roof. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they had, had like been telling the club to just fix this, you know, like, and yeah. and uh, so she, she spoke about the differences between the men's side and the women's side in the club mm-hmm. and, 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 he did the press manager yeah we had told him that we wanted to ask her those questions mm. in beforehand and it was fine and i i was very impressed by wolfsburg for that i can tell you because yeah. i know if that had been like a club like barcelona they would have stopped the interview perhaps or real madrid you know real madrid yeah. you can't even get into so that's the, Other <laughs> disaster yeah. that's no but but then you have like the networking in the women's game is so important right now. It's now yeah. you can connect. Can I, can, years... a, can, can I ask you a specific question about that, Mia, right? Did Lena Oberdorf know who you were when you started the Zoom call yesterday? Do you think she knew? Do you think she knew what their pitch was and who Mia was and who Amanda Zaza was? Uh, no, I'm not sure. But because because in my head, right, there's a certain amount of people that are known to everybody. Joe Curry of the BBC, who I'm sure you know well. Joe, every, she knows all the England players. Uh, Lindsay Hooper is known. Samantha Miller is known. There's certain people that I just... And I just assume that when I talk about you or Amanda, I just assume that every player in Europe now knows who you are. And that's because I think your podcast is fantastic. And I go, yeah, well, obviously, fucking everybody listens to this. So, But you didn't get the impression that Leanna was going, oh, yeah, that's, that's me and Amanda. I know these guys. I listen every week no i don't think that but we have started to have players coming on that that uh, starts with uh, yeah i'm listening to your podcast cool so we have that we have reached that far that that's, how does that make uh, you feel when they say that uh it i mean it's it obviously feels very good because when you get i also you know when i when i write the media requests i really put effort into to the football analysis you know side of the podcast and i can assure you that from knowing that when i write a media request everyone will be could like know when they are going to listen to lena obedorf talking that she really likes to talk about football yeah it was the same with jesse fleming yeah like so so I feel that like some players really want, they have been waiting for for mm. this. Like, oh yeah. man, I'm going to talk football. With... The actual game, the yeah. X's and O's and what I do when I'm playing in central midfield or central defense. Yeah, how do, I, how, how do I train on scanning before passing a ball? How do yeah. I get in between the lines? How do I create space for myself to, mm. to do my thing? Uh, how do I work on my communication with my teammates and stuff mm. like that? Are, are you the only people asking them these questions? No, I'm I'm sure we're not. Uh, but I do think that we are the only people asking asking them these questions at the moment in the format we do. 
Yeah. Because you can you can invite players on a podcast that speak about football analysis, but then they only have 10 minutes. Like, but but this is an episode completely de- dedicated to them. Yeah. And we can always ex- start we always start by saying this that this is an this is not a clickbait uh, podcast. If you say something during the podcast that you regret or that mm. you feel bad about, tell us we will edit it out. Yeah. You're you're not you're not there just to generate controversy and you know no. big headlines with a very small story under it. The po- our podcast we we say to the players is a safe space. Mm. We want them to know that. So and I do feel that they appreciate that. And yet, Mia, they tell you things that turn in English that turn into headlines in Swedish on Football's Canal. And that Swedish players do it as well, because let's face it, they speak better English than me, most of them, right? So obviously there's a sense of trust there. Do you feel that they they feel that they're taken seriously by yourself and Amanda when you ask them to go on the show? Um, yeah, I, I I would like to believe that. Uh, and once again, uh, it's because of the media requests. Like we're very clear on how the podcast is, which sex uh, sections we have and what it's about and stuff like that. And we, I mean, it's it's a safe space enough for the players that if we ask them a question that they don't want to answer, they can just say that. Yeah. Okay, I feel I don't want to answer this or. But like we have, I mean, sometimes we get like caught uh, as well when when players uh, just spit out things like Sara Björkunarsdotter before before yeah. the Euros. Like she, I mean, she sounds really like an authority when she speaks in 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 a regular basis as well. But on this podcast, she was really angry about the fact that they had to play in smaller stadiums and she told us and i mean she didn't speak about she didn't speak to any um, media platform or outlet about that after yeah. so that th- that became a huge story because like the moment that came out on their pitch and the tweets went out that okay Sarah's after having a go and it was in all the big english newspapers in particular because the tournament was being held in england and i saw yeah. debates on sky sports and on bt and and everywhere espn about that you know i mean was there ever, did you sort of say to Sara, I, I had a situation with the Swedish biathlete, Sebastian Samuelsson, that I've spoken about before, that we spoke about doping ahead of the 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang. And I explained to Samuel when he was talking to me that this is not like when you talk to the local newspaper up in Östersund, right? When you tell me this and I publish it, five minutes later, your Instagram is going to be hacked to shit with people giving you grief in your DMs, right? And he said, no, I'm fine with that. And afterwards he said, well, I thought it was fine with it, but like it was an awful lot that I got, you know? Did you Do you stop people when they're saying something like that? Especially, and I've had it, you know, where people go, oh, I have this teammate, she's a bitch, you know? Um, do you stop Sada there and go, look, are you sure you want us to publish this? Because, you know, a lot of people are going to get in touch with you now. It's going to disrupt maybe your preparations or that. Did you stop her or did you just go, oh, cool? <laughs> no, because I'm not sure um, not even me and Amanda realized uh, how big of a deal that was. Because it, it to me, it was quite, yeah, she's right. I, I was, you know, like sitting there thinking when she spoke about it. Yeah, she's yeah. right. So for me, it wasn't a big deal, but... I mean, I can understand why it was a big deal uh, when we published a podcast, but when we did it, I didn't sat there thinking, oh, wow, what is she saying? Or yeah, yeah. 
It's like, oh, just another episode. Load that up yeah, there, yeah, Amanda. Yeah. Talk to yeah. you next week. And then boom, this thing just goes it off. It was like that. And that that was like rewritten all over the world. It was in yeah. Brazil, in Portugal, in France, in Germany, mm-hmm. in yeah, in all the Scandinavian you know, big newspapers and obviously in England, though. But See, this, this is why I think you're so famous, because you've already had uh, this effect on things, you know. You, you mentioned, Mia, that it's getting a little bit more difficult, right? So back when I started covering the game, uh, I'm trying to think of when I wrote the first article. It's a long time ago now anyway. But back then, you could call up a club and you would be given a number and you could text a player. And I've had the privilege of working with certain teams as well. And... You get to know players, but you know, it used to be you'd send them a, a message on Instagram or you'd send them a message like a text message, right? And you're telling me now that that's not the way you do it anymore, right? I still do that, right? Rather than going to a club first, I will always try to play her first. And if they ignore me, fine. If they say, yeah, great, then okay. If they say, if they tell me, please contact the club, I'll do that as well, right? So Denise O'Sullivan at the moment, who plays for North Carolina for the Irish national team, like I never know which way she wants me to go, you know? So I have to try the ball, go, Denise, do you want me to go to the club, the federation, or, or can we do it? ourselves and it'll change you know and um, but do you find that's changing now and you you strike me as being a really organized person right you know what you want you know because and i hear this when you're talking about data as well you have your media requests i can imagine are almost like legal briefings that you're going into a courtroom with going this is exactly what we're going to do so do you ever send a message via instagram anymore or do you always play it by the rules these days uh i think also uh, i like to see things from several perspectives and here's the thing the first 12 episodes we did mm-hmm. was because when you are a woman's football photographer when I started like two years ago and I posted a picture of a player on my Instagram with a picture I was really happy about the player uh, they contacted me a lot so I got the connections through that and then when I when I was about to do this with Amanda I I was thinking to myself, okay, now I can use this network I've been creating, but I have to do it wisely because I don't want them to feel used. Like, okay, just because I've written to you on Instagram, then I can do it again. But I do think that players like Frida Malnum, because I I obviously knew her a little bit because she played in Linköping. She's a Norway international midfielder who's now at Arsenal for those. Exactly. Um so with her, I just wrote to her on Instagram. It was the same with Vilde Barisa from Manchester United. Um, so a lot of the players I've just been in contact with before. That's yeah. one thing. The other thing is that I'm I'm I like to think very strategic. Like yeah. I have a strategy in my head. <laughs> so I thought that okay, I have to go uh, with players now that is not probably getting this request a lot. So. Probably they are gonna they are gonna think. I want them to think. Oh wow, am I uh, getting this request? Yeah. Um. So the first twelve episodes, I think that that was the case. But mm-hmm. then I started to think that when I when I go now for big names, like with um, I mean the, the biggest Swedish player obviously we had uh, was Magdalena Eriksson, mm-hmm. and then I knew that she has. I'm not going to go through Chelsea because that will never happen. Uh, mm. She can't talk about the national team when going through Chelsea. And if I go through the Swedish press manager, mm. uh, you know, because I have a feeling that now the Swedish um, women's national team press manager 
players that are very big in their clubs, it's hard for him mm. to like manage to get time, obviously because of rights and everything you know about that. So I knew that Magdalena had uh, 10 Toast Media in the UK. So I emailed uh, him, mm. her personal, private, like media manager. And I actually emailed him and told him, okay, we're going to do this. And we want to talk with Magdalena about uh, her her national team journey ahead of the Euros. Mm. Uh, and on this podcast, we have had players like, <laughs> and, you know, so I could, I could have names. And then he replied in within 20 minutes. And I, I think he actually wrote that. Yes, Mag- Magda is very happy to do this. She will make time in her schedules, the mm. schedule uh, sometimes during the spring. Yeah. So, and then obviously when you have had Magdalena Eriksson in your Swedish TV channel and she's the Chelsea captain, you can use that when you go to the next player. Yeah. But I must also say that like a player like Jesse Fleming, who I still think perhaps was one of the, I mean, every episode has been good, but she's also a big player. She plays in Chelsea and and she was like, yeah, I can give you my whole evening if you want. She was in her room in London when we did it. Was a bike behind her. And she was, I'd just come home from, from training. And she was very happy to do this. And and then she's with the same agency that Sam Kerr and uh, and Ada Hegebay. Uh, so if, if she is happy with what we're doing, you know, I think you you always have to think like that. Okay, mm. this player is with this agent, and then you have to you have to be respectful and very humble that you get their time. Of course, yeah. Uh, so if you show them that, I believe that that's the right strategy to go. Mm. Uh, it since we don't have to think clickbaits. You, if you know what I mean now. Yeah, no, I, I do. And one of the things that uh, a few years ago, I'm actually looking up to the right here. I have this uh, this check that I got a stipendium from uh, the Sports Journalist Association at Svenska Spiel. And it was, I had sort of put in this thing when I was applying for the stipendium. And I wanted to talk about why women's football is so different from men's football. Because back then, just pre-pandemic was when I went down to the Algarve Cup in Portugal. And I spoke to Mona Mjelda, who uh, plays for Chelsea and is the Norway captain, and Caroline Grom Hansen. And it's the whole sort of Norway setup. Now, they've become more closed off, especially with the return of Ada Hegebay now, uh, in terms of, you know, granting interviews and that. And the Swedish thing drives me mad because, you know, it's like, again, I still feel that, you know, there's so much more work we can do with women's football if they just open up. But... Well, it always came down to Mia with Maren and with Caroline Graham Hansen, who's one of the most intelligent people I met. Forget footballers. She's just one of the most intelligent people I know. That that issue of trust is absolutely key. And especially, I think that I have to work harder for that as a middle-aged man. And I should have to work harder for that because I I wasn't the one, you know, that was sort of there at the very beginning, you know, interviewing them in 2003. I came to the party late, essentially, you know, from an international media perspective. And I have to, you know, I have to accept that. But at the same time, that issue of trust is so, so vital. But it does spread, like you say. If you talk, like, you know, I've worked with the Norwegian team at two tournaments, and I, like a lot of the, the more senior Swedish players would know me. And the, I would always say to them then, look, if you want to check me out, if you want to find out who I am, go talk to this player. She will know me. Now, she'll either say, yeah, talk to that guy or stay the hell away from him. I don't like him, you know? And whatever they say is fine because I do think it's a little bit more sensitive as well on the women's side from the point of view of being a man who's contacting a woman out of nowhere kind of thing. You know, I, I never like to do that. I always try to sort of give a heads up first. Um, 
that idea of trust, have you ever had that breakdown with anyone? And what I mean by that is, did you ever do a podcast and somebody went, oh, shit, like I didn't mean to say that, or, you know, you put me on the spot there or that kind of thing. It doesn't sound like that, but have you ever had a sort of a, a negative experience with a player? No, never uh, yet. But I, I'm also <laughs> <Towards very, laughs> I have I have a respect for this now, I feel, because I would, what I feel is that if you understand the market, I, I do think you have to, to know the market. You have to know what stage women's football market and the product is in right now. Like I told you, we we wrote to Wolfsburg in December last year, and I wanted Dominique Janssen and Lena Oberdorf. Both of them accepted and told me through via uh, through their media manager in Wolfsburg that they were happy to do this. Yeah. So then I have to believe that. But I also will have to know that it could not happen, not because they don't want to, not because they are arrogant or stuff like that. It, it, you know, life gets in the way mm. uh, sometimes. So I've become very aware of that when I email about players that accepts and then time and planning and schedules doesn't work out. Mm. So I do think that that's my, that's my, you know, like... I really have that in mind when I contact players with this. Mm. So if I have that, then I will never be stressed. So because when you are stressed and you really need to to get um, a player to do a podcast because next week we don't have any player to record with and we we really need it. And, yeah. and then you don't get nice and kind when you communicate with people. Mm. Uh, you you don't uh, you don't become. Um, as much understanding towards the media manager and their situation um, as you could have been if you have been more prepared and planned. Um, So I think me and Amanda, right now we work like this. We know that we could could call a person tomorrow to do a podcast. Mm. But then if Lena Oberdorf comes along and say, oh, hey, I've got time this week, then we, of course, do it with her and that doesn't mean we disrespect any other player or person, mm. but I have my like. I'm I'm thinking this in Sweden now, <laughs> Swedish. Yeah. Like yeah. I have my lake or my stored, uh, you know, like library with people I can call. Okay, next yeah. week let's do the podcast. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 a lot of work with the. I, I do think that I, I'm, like I said in the beginning, I'm a communication strategist. I work with that every day. Communication is the, you know, you know the most powerful tool mm-hmm. we ever have. But uh, communication for me is building relationships and exactly. building relationships with people that you want to trust you. Mm-hmm. That takes time, but it doesn't take time to ruin a relationship. It takes a split second, doesn't it? Exactly. So you have to you have to have that respect, I think. If we talk a little bit about the, the analysis aspect of it, Mia, um, how do you approach analyzing a player, right? Because you just mentioned respect there. Sometimes you're very positive about a player. Sometimes you can be critical. You can say, okay, why this, why that? Not in a nasty way or a rude way, but you know, some people are highly strung, some people don't, don't like being criticized. So what, what's your sort of starting point when you're analyzing uh, players in the women's game? Uh, yeah, we could take the Euros as an example now. 
um, you know, Swedish media that was there to cover uh, the women's game uh, and the Swedish national team, obviously. They were, were very critical of both team performances and individual performances. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, but how can they know that? How can they know that the player is that bad? Mm. Uh, so when after the Euros I told uh, Jesper who I'm working with uh, at Playmaker who is a football analysis platform that okay um, let's just dive deep into these players that have got um, the most critical um, like views from media and now we're gonna see were they that bad and then when we dove into like took a dive into the numbers and the heat maps and the actions and everything. It was actually kind of funny because then Fridolina Rolfe was the second best left winger in the tournament <laughs> compared to that. And then you have to realize that when when like like for me, football is a complex game. Yeah. And I always approach everything now since I went into analysis with, okay, I see that one thing is happening, but why? It's people the... people react to what what is happening, but yeah. they never think, okay, why did it happen? This, this is probably the most valuable question in football. I was writing about it on Twitter the other night because as we're speaking, the Men's Nations League has just sort of concluded. And Norway, Ireland and Sweden were all playing, you know, the same evening, I think. And people were like, you know, fans and pundits and everybody was going because Sweden got 1-1, Norway got beaten 2-0, Ireland beat, uh, was it uh, Armenia 3-2, I think it was, right? And people and pundits and fans and people on social media were all saying, oh, we're much better, but you're not. Okay, if you look at every aspect, you're you're not <laughs> like you know. But it's this emotional response that they have because they don't ask why. They don't say, okay, why did this happen? And I mean, if you take the, the perfect example, I suppose is, is Norway getting beaten by England uh, at the Euros. What was it, eight 0 that game? Yes. And like the most important thing to me straight away in the tunnel afterwards, when I had to interview all the Bay and Martin, the then coach, and I kind of was, why did that happen? Now. Some of them didn't want to tell you why it happened. Some of them wanted to keep that to themselves. But it was fairly obvious that, you know, they got things tactically wrong from the very beginning. It was the wrong team, the wrong formation, and they didn't react quick enough. But instead of that, it was, oh, no, the players aren't individually good enough. It's like, it doesn't matter who you've got. If you set up in that way, England are going to fucking kill you. And that was the why of that. Do you find that, um, do people think... You're a little bit sort of, you know, arrogant, you know, when you go and say, hold on a second, I looked at the data here. And if you're given Fridolina Rolf, uh, a brilliant player for Barcelona, a brilliant player for Sweden, if you're given her grief, you're actually, you're, you're objectively wrong in what you're saying here. Like the data actually says, it's not opinion, you're objectively wrong about it. I do think that that's where we have to go back and think what role media plays in this um, part. And then you have to go back and look at because i've had the luxury to take on uh, this i mean like this topic in uh, in a different perspective so yeah. i can think okay why did it happen and football is a complex game and was she that bad really that bad but for me it's a lot about the fact that i actually want the players to have um a fair judgment yeah like i i can i can oh I don't even, I'm not sure if we're going to use the word judge, but you know what I mean. Yeah, if, I'm gonna crit- yeah. if I'm going to criticize a player, 
mm. I'm going to have to criticize the player from a fair point of view. Yeah. And I don't think that you can give that fair point of view if you want to analyze for real. Because then you have the media and the player made a bad pass in a game that led to a goal. Obviously, they have to write that because that's how media works. Mm. I respect that as well. But I would I would never want to do that kind of re- report from yeah. the women's game. I want to do what I do. Like, I mean, I can take another example that um, I do think that uh, I'm not sure what, what it was, but when when also numbers and data it it was the fact that Magdalena Eriksson and Jonna Andersson both played in Chelsea last last season yeah. uh, but Chelsea started the season with a back three and Magda plays uh, in the left center back position and, and Jonna was left on the bench which she she started to to end up uh, the season before mm. but the fact is that when Magda disappeared uh, because of an injury Chelsea went back to a back four. So my question is, you you know, it's like this. It's it's kind of like a science from the university when you're going to write your essay, you yeah. know, like for. So you, you have a question. That that's for me football analysis. You have a question. Okay, Magdalena Eriksson disappears from Chelsea's backline. Who takes on her duties and responsibilities, and who is playing her role, not mm-hmm. position, on the pitch? Mm-hmm. So the numbers give gave us a very good view. Uh, the heat maps and the you know it was Jonna because Chelsea went back to to a back four, put Jonna Andersson on the pitch, mm. and then you could see how the how the diagrams just pointed everywhere to okay Jonna she played Magda's role mm. while Magda was away. And it didn't matter that it was a back three, and then they went to a back nope. four. It was like okay, they just overlapped completely when Jonna yeah, came because, and she just yeah. did that job. Because it was a role. Magda yeah. had a very clear clear role uh, to take part in the build-up um, because she's she's Chelsea's most technical uh, centre-back. Mm. Um, so she had that role. But when she was away, you have to have another player that can take on that role. So, and in came Jonna. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, it's it, for me, it's, you, you start by asking a question. Mm. And then you go to the data analysis to find the answer. And when you think you have the answer, you have to put it together with what you see. Yeah. So it's it's those things. You have the eye test, as we call it, what you're looking at on the pitch and what you think you're looking at. Then you have the data. And then you have the, the question that you're trying to answer in it. You know? And it's that's, for me, that's what makes the podcast their pitch so good. And it's what makes your your Twitter account as well worth following as well, just for these kinds of things, you know. It's actually been pointed out to me, there was a few years ago that a very prominent player said to me um, that I didn't look at the negatives, right? She was saying, you're so busy trying to push this, you know, trying to support the game that you, you turn away, you deliberately don't pick up the negatives. I mean, I have to say at the time she was right, because there's so many people out there who want to criticize, who want to say they're shit. Women's goalkeepers are terrible. They're physically, they're not as strong. They're not as fast. They're not as skillful, you know? And at times I do think that absolutely, I remember sitting there uh, when Norway were getting beaten 8-0 by, by England and thinking, Jesus, you know, how do you tell the story of this game in a way that leaves any of us with our dignity intact, you know? Um, 
when you analyze the game like that, what what is it about the women's game of football? What is it when women play football that appeals to you personally? What is it that you get your joy out of when you sit down and you watch these games and you find the answers to the questions that you have? Uh, that's a good question, a very good question. But I do think that uh, to me, it's still so much to discover in the women's game with data and analysis. Um, I do think that everything I do, uh, obviously also with their pitch, uh, is going to help fans to look at football, maybe with the why in mind. Mm. Not just, okay, what happened here? Okay, she lost the ball and it was a goal. But why did she lose the ball? Was it her fault? Was it her teammates that didn't link up uh, Mm. with her? uh, Didn't drop deep enough to get her a passing option? Um, I mean, it's like everything. I mean, it's, it's in the details. And I do think that... Like, yeah, like I said in the beginning, uh, women's footballers, need, they deserve to be portrayed like that mm. sometimes. Like you say, it's a very simple game. Or sorry, it's a very complex game, but there's a very simple way to understand it better. And that's to follow Mia and to listen to their pitch. Where can people find you on social media, Mia? And where can they find the podcast? Yeah, I usually, I, I use Instagram uh, and that's uh, mostly for photo but uh, that's uh, photo, um on Instagram. And then on uh, on Twitter for their pitch, it's uh, at their pitch. Uh, and my Twitter account is Mia underscore Eriksson. There you go. And there, from there, you will find all the greatest players in the world. You'll find me somewhere in Mia's mentions. You'll find the great Amanda Zaza and so many other fantastic people covering the game and who help me to understand it better uh, every single day. Mia, for now, thanks so much for speaking to me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a good way to start the weekend. <laughs>